0: I'm always impressed about his calling and his first disciples, his first apostles, I should mm-hmm. say. first thing we should say probably is the difference between an apostle and a disciple. An apostle is someone who is called for a specific work, for a specific purpose, whereas a disciple is simply a follower of Jesus. So all of the apostles were
1: disciples, but not all the disciples were apostles. And later on in Matthew's Gospel, he's going to name the 12. So they start in that discipleship role, which what I was taught was you stay at the feet. You learn.
0: I think it's important for us to look upon the year, the new year, the way that the church does. And the church always refers refers to the year as a year of grace. And so any resolution that we have should be in in keeping with the idea that we should be growing in God's grace. I was taught in the seminary that the hardest thing about going to confession should be the decision to go. And once so once you've made that decision and you present yourself either in the confessional or by appointment with the priest, he should make it as easy as possible. Mm-hmm. Because that's what Jesus would do.
1: And here's what I want you to do. Number one, make friends with Jesus. Become a friend of Jesus. Number two, make a friend. And number three, introduce your new friend to Jesus. (laughs) I wish I had a dime for every time someone (laughs) has said, you've got beautiful churches. And I say, thank you. And the buildings are nice too. As your host.
2: Good evening and welcome. I'm Tony Miller with KCDM, and I'll be your host for the show this evening. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Pastor's Perspective, especially after our month-plus hiatus. Schedules and, and uh, everything for everybody during the Christmas season just turned out to be a little too much to get together and uh, record shows, so this week we're going to be doing a potpourri of topics that we missed while we were on our holiday break. I don't know, but a Christmas break may become a permanent part of the schedule for pastor's perspective. (laughs) After 42 episodes, some time away was welcomed. But I did miss getting together with the posse and talking faith, truth, and light. So, what do you say we get back into it? We are in the second week of Ordinary Time, and we'll be previewing the Gospel of Luke for the third Sunday of Ordinary Time. And around the table tonight, we have Father Marty. Hello, everybody. And Father Mike. Hi there. And where's Father James tonight? Father James is retreating tonight.
1: He's on retreat. <laughs> he's retreating. Yes. Yeah. All right. And of course, we said goodbye to Father Dennis. Well, yes. that's uh... he's, he's heading back to Tanzania via Davenport and a few other locations mm-hmm. to be determined. We're going to miss him. Yeah. yeah. Miss you, Father Dennis, if you're listening to us. And if you're not, shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> you're a good Catholic, Tony. All right.
2: Bring that shame in. That's right. Okay. Well, welcome back after our, our holiday uh, break.
1: Well, well, was, all the TV shows take a holiday break, you know? Yeah, that's true. Winter well, break, they, so. They take the whole summer off, don't yeah. they? And that, too. So. Sure. I so. see we did win a Golden Globe Award, though. Well, I don't even know if we were nominated for a Golden Globe. <laughs> <laughs> that gives us something to shoot for next year. Sounds good.
2: And uh, news and notes tonight, uh, Father Marty. Are there any news or events the listeners need to
1: be aware of, aware of here for the next week or month? Well, let's uh, let's see here. We've got. Uh, I, I think a big one is um, we're in the uh, uh, nine days for life, um, and then the uh, the commemoration and the day of prayer for the. Uh, for human life. The sanctity of all life is on Monday, the 23rd. And, um, so that's very important. Then the Saturday, the 28th, we've got our trivia night, 10th year of trivia night. Wow. I know. I can't believe that, <laughs> but it helps our kids go on the NCYC. That's on the 28th. So get your team together. If you're good at trivia, I refuse to play trivia, but that's okay. <laughs> Even though I know a lot of stuff. You do. I, you I, should I be in on I know. And then, um, uh, other than that, I think it's, uh, as I wrote for my bulletin letter this week, we are a month away from the great season of Lent. Oh, please don't even mention it.
0: I am not a great supporter. I mean, I support Lent, but I'm not a great fond of Lent, so I still am in the middle of Christmas. Christmas is over. Christmas is a season, and for me, it's a long season. <laughs>
2: And then, Father Mike, your big news is you got your car back. I got my car back finally. I'm driving it around town. So if you see me, I'm the one that
0: is extremely happy because of that.
1: And they got roads open for you too. They do. I think there's a correlation there between your car and roads being open. I think so too. Okay. Absolutely.
0: I can get to <laughs> St. John's now very easily, whereas before I had to go through the back country.
1: <laughs> Were you warned in a dream not to go the the, the way or? <laughs> I've had a of dreams. A, some nightmares, too. <laughs> hey, talking about that, yes. can I tell you about a dream I had after yes. the first of the year? Okay. I want to know what Freud would think of this. Oh, boy. Okay. Are you ready for this? I hope so. Okay. So you were presiding at Christmas Mass. Okay. And Father Dennis and I and Father James were the celebrants, but it was not here in Des Moines County. For some reason, we were at All Saints in Kilcock. Okay. My home parish. I've said Mass there before. Okay. Well, here's the weird part, other than the fact that we're in Kilcuck, and it's on Christmas, okay? okay? So all these Eucharistic ministers come up, so you decide not to send the Eucharistic ministers away, but the extra three priests would do the St. Blaise blessing of throats. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think this means? I know, It means that
0: you know a lot about detail. That's <laughs> You just sort of rearranged them in the wrong places. That's all. There we go. Yeah. That'll be
1: coming up too. Probably the weekend um, of February fourth and fifth. We'll be doing the blessing of throats as well too. So yeah.
2: I was going to say Saint Blaze comes up right there, beginning of February. Doesn't yeah, he's it? on
1: Thursday this year, and so we'll we'll move in the the following Saturday Sunday. It's
2: a great old Catholic
1: custom. I mean, yes, I, I love good.
0: it. I love it too.
1: All right. Well, uh, Father Marty, how
2: about an update since it's been four or five weeks on the. Uh, the ADA campaign and the Upon This
1: Rock campaign? Well, the ADA is doing real well. Um, Both parishes, Divine Mercy and St. Mary's Dodgeville are um, pledged over goal. Um, St. Mary's Dodgeville is paid over goal, but that doesn't mean for those of you who still have pledges withstanding, not to pay them, we need your support. (laughs) Um, As I said, Divine Mercy is pledged over goal, but we're at about 82, 83% paid. So we still need to continue the, the Send Those Pledges in. And then for the Upon This Rock Capital campaign, um, St. Mary's in Dodgeville today um, just went over the $100,000 mark. So that's very good. And Divine Mercy is at about 898000 wow. wow. So we're doing pretty good. The one thing that we would like to see a little bit better um, is the uh, participation rate. Um, it's about 42% at Dodgeville and about 28% here at Divine Mercy. Ooh. So we want to get that number up. And so we're going to be doing a commitment weekend the weekend of the 27th, 28th.
2: What does a commitment weekend involve? So for
1: those who maybe lost their pledge card or haven't turned their pledge card in yet or maybe didn't get a pledge card, they'll have an opportunity to do that. So that'll be the 1850, 20, 28th, 29th. My bad. 28th, so, 29th. Okay. Yes. And then that weekend, too, we'll start Catholic Schools Week, and it also starts the Messenger um, Pledge Drive weekend. So why not just throw everything together and do everything at once? All right.
2: <laughs> Very good. All right, Father Mike, uh, you want to get us started with an opening prayer happy here? happy to.
0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we are still basking in the glory of Christmas. We now go into your son's life as an adult, as his, we have his baptism and his miracles, and we begin to listen to his word. We are told to listen to him because he is your beloved son. Give us the grace always to listen to him through your holy church. Give us the grace to follow him all we do. We ask all of this through the powerful intercession of our blessed mother, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, so, the Holy Spirit.
2: Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Father Mike. Well, tonight the posse will discuss Matthew's reading for the third Sunday of Ordinary Time, and that's chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. In this reading, Jesus withdraws from his home in Nazareth after John the Baptist's arrest to Galilee to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy from the first reading. He begins to preach and gather his, the core of his apostles and make them fishers of men. And Father Marty, you've got a uh,
1: gospel tonight? I do. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew the Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, that what had been said through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way up to the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. On those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, light has arisen. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. He said to them, come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. He walked along from there and saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. He went all around. He went around all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and curing every disease and illness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise you, to you, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ.
2: Thank you, Father Marty. You're very welcome. Okay, so I'm not, a, uh, I'm not what you would call a Bible scholar, and I always get messed up in my time frames in the Gospels. And since Jesus began his ministry at the wedding of Cana, isn't that correct? conventional wisdom anyway i think so where where does this fall in his ministry as it were i mean he's just starting out right now isn't he
1: mm-hmm. well and you have to remember too that um matthew makes up what's called the synoptic gospel. so matthew mark and luke so in each of those three gospels it, it pretty much starts the same way he's going to go he's going to call for repentance and then um, a little bit of, a, of Isaiah um, background, then call for repentance. And then he's going to call his first disciples. In, um, in John's gospel, he has called his disciples because John the Baptist, as we're going to hear, as we heard this Sunday, points out Jesus, you know, look, behold, the Lamb of God. And they go and follow him. And then he appears at the wedding in Cana. So, it, so John's gospel is different than the synoptic gospels. So, it could be in the same time frame, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke decide not to put the wedding feast of Cana in their gospels. For uh, and and this, I found this interesting praying the breviary last week mm-hmm. because it always mentions in on Epiphany Sunday. It mentions um, Christmas, Epiphany, and the wedding feast of Cana mm-hmm. because that's where he becomes manifest. Right going back to Father Dennis's homily for Epiphany. You right. know, that manifestation, Jesus is being made known. Okay. That must have been a good homily. I'm sorry I missed it. So he talked about the three gifts, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and then tied it in for us to be the star. That's good. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So why is Jesus leaving his home in Nazareth? What Was it unsafe in Nazareth, or was it just time to move along, or... Was it just because Isaiah prophesied that this was going to happen?
0: I think probably a little bit of everything, except I don't think how unsafe it was for him in his home area there in Galilee. Um, it was much more unsafe later on in, in Judea. Uh, we have the, the killing of the infants, you know, right? When mm-hmm. our Lord himself was an infant. And, this, and then the message from the angel to, to leave and go into Egypt for two years. And so, but I think it was, uh, we're jumping in time here. Um, When we read about the biographies of important people, usually they're chronological. With our Lord here, it's not. They go from being an infant to being an adult right away. And his baptism is the beginning of his public ministry. But uh, certainly, your one point about the fulfillment of the prophecies of Isaiah, that's very, very important. Everything our Lord does is a fulfillment of what is prophesied about him in the Old Testament. So... So it shows that intimate connection between the old and the new. But our Lord is beginning his public ministry. I uh, Maybe we're going to talk about this a little later, later on, but I'm always impressed about his calling of his first disciples, his first apostles, I should mm-hmm. say. First thing we should say probably is the difference between an apostle and a disciple. An apostle is someone who is called for a specific work, for a specific purpose, whereas a disciple is simply a follower of Jesus. So all of the apostles were disciples, but not all the disciples were apostles. And uh, when he called his apostles, Peter, James, John, and all the rest of them, he called them from his the work that they were doing anyway. And I always wonder, if we put ourselves in that situation, how how would we respond to that if he called us away from the work that we're doing as our normal life's venture? Mm-hmm. And some of them were in the boat with their father. And so they... <laughs> They had to kind of run the risk of having a problem, a family problem, with uh, whether or not they should leave their father, uh, family work, to do what God has asked them to do. So I don't think it's as easy uh, as it seems to be in the first reading of it.
2: Could there be a little bit of the, I don't remember what reading it is, but where Jesus goes to Nazareth and tries to preach and says, I'm not going to do any works here because a, a, a prophet's it's uh, never accepted. In it's his never, hometown. yeah, it's never accepted in his hometown. Right,
1: yeah. and, and I think the other thing too is you have to you have to remember, um, you know, because you said it was it unsafe in Nazareth? My guess is, and I have no evidence for this at all. Yeah, but if it was unsafe in Nazareth, my guess is he ain't going to leave his mother by herself. Absolutely, I'm sure he took care of his mother somehow right. before he embarked on all of this, okay? I think that's first of all. That makes sense. Um, and second of all, um, I love what you said. You know, Not all disciples are apostles, but all apostles are disciples. Mm-hmm. And later on in Matthew's gospel, he's gonna name the 12. Right. So they start in that discipleship role, yeah. which what I was taught was you stay at the feet, right. you learn, and then the apostle is the one who was sent out with that task. Okay. And, and I've, I've asked the same question that you did. You know, I mean, here's this guy, you know, you're, you're thinking he's probably relatively unknown, you know, hey Tony, hey Mike, come follow me, I'll make you fishers some men. Just right out of the blue. Yeah, and you'd be like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a wife to take care of in
0: Tony's case. In my case, I've got a, yeah. I'm retired now, but I've got my own lifestyle and all that.
1: Right, so. My guess is, and I have no evidence for this either. I just wonder, you know, because we don't get all the details. But I just wonder if, you know, Jesus had, you know, had, before he calls him, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, did they hear Jesus before this? Mm-hmm. And and here's the other thing that I find fascinating. His first four disciples are what profession? Fishermen. Fishermen, why? why? If you're gonna start a movement, which I don't think Jesus wanted to start a movement, but wouldn't you go after the religious leaders? Why would you go after fishermen? Sure. And I think a little bit of that is they're patient mm-hmm. <laughs> they're <laughs> yeah. hardworking, good point uh-huh. They're not afraid to get their hands dirty mm-hmm. you know and so I, I just wonder you know it, it's kind of like we asked what did Simon and Andrew and and uh, James and John see in Jesus, I think it, we can also put it back around too is mm-hmm. what did Jesus see mm-hmm. in them?
2: Mm-hmm. well and when when Jesus came to both of you and said, "You drop everything and follow me." You both did.
1: No, not at first, Well, it took a while. It took discernment and everything. Sure. And, and there's, you know, and, and that's one of the things I know we're going to get into this too. There was a wonderful article. I know we're gonna get into Pope Benedict in our popery section, but there was a wonderful article written by um, Elizabeth somebody, Scala maybe, or something like that. It's not the Supreme court justice. So it's okay. a different name. But it was interesting because she says what Pope Benedict's greatest witness to the church was, the line that Jesus spoke to Peter after the resurrection at the Sea of Galilee in John's gospel. There will come a time when you will go where you do not want to go and someone else will dress you. Meaning, you know, like before, you know, we got into the catechism, he wanted to retire. Go back to Germany and be a librarian, be with his books and write and study and be a priest. Well, John Paul says, I've got this job for you. Mm -hmm. Well, then after John Paul dies, I'm sure he was ready to get out of Rome again. You know what? The church wants you to be pope. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I think that's a lot of it when the Lord's call comes is we have to surrender what we want, what I want, Mm -hmm. and do what the Lord Mm -hmm. wants
0: and we'll talk about this later but that just brings out the humility of the man in saying yes rather than no because he had every good reason to say no respectfully lovingly no but he said yes he always said yes so i think that's very important
2: if jesus ministry hasn't started yet why is he going around in galilee and curing every disease and illness wouldn't that couldn't that have started his ministry too early
0: could have maybe uh, but it was a marvelous way of beginning his ministry, you know. Uh, uh, we might, and I'm not taking away from motivation here, but to, 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 <laughs> to begin by establishing himself as one who is a miracle worker, someone who does more than just preach, someone who does more than, than just go around and organize people. And so, And it also showed his relationship to the Father, which was very, very important to the Jewish mentality at the time.
1: And this first part of the gospel, before he calls his disciples, intrigues me for two things. Is Number one, um, we quote the first reading from midnight, or the mass during the night at Christmas. Mm -hmm. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great great light. light. So it brings that connection back again. And the other thing too is what's his first homily? Repent, metanoia, Mm -hmm. turn your heart back to God. And that's the invite. Yeah, absolutely. To turn your heart back to God.
2: Yeah.
1: Why the emphasis
2: on the Gentiles in this reading? There are Jews in Galilee. Are there a lot of Gentiles in Galilee as well? And was this was Galilee a good place to go to introduce himself to the Gentiles as well?
0: I don't know if there were a lot, a lot there. Do you have any indication? I don't. Of I, don't.
1: I, I think the thing to remember too is that. Uh, you know, you know, he went all around Galilee teaching in their synagogues. Mm-hmm. Well, if he's in the synagogue, he's with Jewish people. Right. right. But his mission is also universal as witnessed by the, the magi coming sure. to him.
0: Absolutely.
1: But he's going to start where he's familiar. And even in Luke's gospel, that wonderful scene, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Yeah. You know, but they rejected the message. That's right. So he's going to go to where the people will, will hear. Okay.
0: And but, he's open to anyone who's open to him. That's a very important concept, I think, at the very beginning. Um, it extends even to this day that uh, our Lord does not discriminate uh, uh, according to what you know what particular position you have in a society. If you're open to listening to him, he is certainly open. Well, more correctly, he's more open to you than you are to him.
2: And he was open to the Gentiles Absolutely. and to the Samaritans and to tax collectors and to. Uh, every, everybody that they yeah. chastise him for meeting with. Yeah. So. Even though he
0: makes a clear distinction there by saying that the, that he has come for the children of Abraham. You know, They are the chosen people. And I think that's very important to remember. Mm-hmm.
1: In Matthew's gospel, and I think we talked about this when we started the year of Matthew, mm-hmm. is that he's writing primarily to a Jewish Christian community. So people who are Jewish that became Christian. So now they're part of the sure. Gentiles, I mean, sure. for lack of a better term. But he's also going to betray, we're going to see this next week, as the new Moses. Mm-hmm. So he's going to become the new lawgiver. Mm-hmm. And we'll see that with his Sermon on the Mount. Okay. Now, wasn't, wasn't Matthew a tax collector? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Here's the other thing, too, that he, where he might have went, because it says, you know, um, uh, the way to the sea beyond the Jordan. Because where where could you get your most bang for you know they didn't have you know wireless mics back in those days- mm-hmm. people preachers teachers would go to the to the ocean or the sea because your voice would magnify they magnify
2: Oh okay, so he could reach more people at, 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 with with the same sermons correct. very good. All right, well, that wraps up our discussion of Sunday's gospel. For those of you who are just tuning in, we're talking to Father Marty and Father Mike here. Father James is on retreat. And we're gathered around the table here with the posse tonight. Thanks for joining us for the show. We're happy you tuned in. Uh, tell your friends about the show, too, uh, if they haven't heard Pastor's Perspective. Uh, I've talked to some people who really enjoy the show. So I even talked to one who had binge-watched or binge-listened to it. So, <laughs> really? Yeah.
0: Talk about not having nothing to do. <laughs> they, just, they, they
2: discovered the show, and and, and they were so uh, pleased with it that they went back to the first episode and binge listened. So I was, uh, I was pleased to hear that. Good. Um, so let's move on to our potpourri of topics. And basically, I was trying to figure out, I had a list of topics that were scheduled that we didn't get to, and I wanted to kind of just go back and kind of review them, maybe and kind of get a 30,000-foot flyover. Uh, We won't be able to go into a lot of detail, but we'll try. Let's start off with uh, how was was your Christmases?
0: Mine was excellent. Um, Even though we were not able to get together with the whole family, we did have some of them come up from St. Louis, and a couple came in from Indianapolis, and we celebrated uh, about uh, three days after Christmas on the Wednesday, Thursday after Christmas, uh, simply so we could get all those people together. But the the highlight of my Christmas this year, believe it or not, and I'm not just saying this for Father Marty's benefit, but all of us local priests got together for mass on Christmas morning. And uh, I just thought that was wonderful. And I think the people enjoyed it as well, seeing all of their, their clergy or their, their priests anyway. And I think one of the deacons was with us too. Wasn't Deacon Gary with us? No. Him? He was not with us, okay. No. But anyway, seeing the priest clergy up there, I think was very important, and I know it meant a great deal for me, too, personally.
1: Mm-hmm. I think for me, it was uh, being able to celebrate with um, with with my with the people that I'm entrusted to. And I did something this year that I've never done before. Um, and, and call me Scrooge or whatever, but <laughs> I've never called the kids up for the Christmas Eve homily.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't know why I've never done that. It was just something that I wasn't taught to do or... Or that you know, and and so, but this year I did, and that was very special That's to really me. Meaningful. The other thing, too, is with Father Dennis being here and Father James, and the way the schedule worked was for the first time in 31 years, I was able to be home for Christmas Eve. Wonderful, and and I learned um, something very special. Um, my family started a, a tradition on Christmas Eve, you know, they get together, they play bingo, and yeah. things like that, but uh. <laughs> Um, one of the things that they did well we we do the package you know rotation Uh we always pass to the left because my mom was left handed um, as we read the Christmas story Mm -hmm. you know you hear a word you pass the gift but one of the things is we drew a number or we were given a number and then we drew a number and it was the gift box and it was something my mom started after my dad died and so the first year she had it because we didn't know it was coming I didn't even know this thing existed but mom put in a redskin ornament because my dad was a big redskin fan. Okay. And so the next year, I don't know who had it, but you know whoever did put something in to remember my dad. Well, last, well, the last two years it was remember. This year was remember mom and dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my niece had it, who put in greeting cards because my mom sent cards to everybody, <laughs> and um, also a Hy-Vee gift card, um, because dad would always take. Um, out for Sunday breakfast at Hy-Vee and pay for it. Oh, wonderful. So, you oh, know, cool. it was just something that we're going to be able to do continue oh, to continue yeah. to keep... It's a great tradition. You know, so so I, that was neat for me. So, sure.
2: yeah. Yeah, I got to... Uh, I had a good Christmas, too. I had the, the, With my new job, um, the first time in my life, I've had 10 days off around Christmas. Wonderful. And I even had the Wednesday and Friday before and after Thanksgiving off this year. So, and that's the first time that's happened in probably thirty-five or six years. So, um, I grew up on a farm with livestock. So even when I was a kid, we didn't get days off around Christmas. So uh, that was that was kind of good. We got to see both the kids. We went to St. Louis and Des Moines, and so it was a good. Uh, I had a good Christmas too. Great. Did, uh, did either of you do anything special for New Year's Eve or New Year's, New Year's Day or New Year's in general? Any New Year's resolutions that you've already broken or anything like that? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I had a wedding on New Year's Eve, so um, huh? we were we went to a reception afterwards. And um, one of the things you never like to get, got a call from the hospital on oh, New Year's Eve evening. And so I had to go to anoint somebody who was, um, you know, he died a couple days later, but was dying and to be with you know the wife and the family was was very powerful. Um I was in bed when the new year came in. <laughs> Cuz I figured the new year's coming in with me awake or asleep. Mm-hmm. So I I go to bed. Um, I heard some fireworks or some gunshots or something rolled over and said that's nice. Um you know um I've got all 10 of my resolutions they're in my calendar so I've you know I've kept them. Um <laughs>
0: Pretty good. What
1: are you? Twelve days now. That's pretty good. That's good. Thirteen days. So that's good. But no, New Year's was good as well too.
0: It was good for me too. Although I was smirching my bad back, so I wasn't able to get to the wedding. I felt bad about that. I really wanted to be there, and then I wasn't able to get to mass the next day either. So, um, but I'm feeling much better now. So, but I'm getting I'm getting older, and the good Lord is letting me realize that. So you just have to take it easy. Like Marty, I went to bed early that night. Or actually, I fell asleep in my chair, and uh, I woke up with all the fireworks. And I, uh, my immediate thought it was it was the Fourth of July, and I thought that's a little strange. <laughs> but then I realized pretty quickly it was New Year's Eve. So I went to bed and uh, just kind of took it easy. Take care of yourself.
2: Um, are there any uh, spiritual resolutions that we can be thinking about? That we or we should be thinking about, maybe? I think it's important for us to look upon
0: the year, the new year, the way that the church does. And the church always refers to to the year as a year of grace. And so any resolution that we have should be in, in keeping with the idea that we should be growing in God's grace. And no matter what it may be, it may be a simple thing like saying more prayers or saying prayers more fervently than before. It may be a resolution to go to mass more frequently, maybe going during the week as well as on the weekend. Uh, it may be something uh, geared toward other people and helping them come closer to Christ and by being kinder to them. But whatever it is, we should do something that we're able to keep Mm -hmm. and to grow from.
2: Two years ago, I did the Bible in a Year. I I think that was the first year Ascension Press did Bible in a Year. Mm -hmm. Um, And this year, I started uh, Catechism in a Year. And Father Marty, you're doing Catechism in a Year too, aren't you? Um, it's been it's been good we're only what 12 days in 12 or days something has been very good uh but it's it's been very interesting and very um worthwhile so uh, are there any opportunities coming up for growth in the coming year in the, in the low for the local parish here
1: you know we did the uh we did the advent reflection um with father toops at al and then we're going to be doing that during lent as well too we'll be doing some stuff during lent and that stations of the cross and everything but I think we're just going to try to uh, um, make you know the Sunday celebration invite people back to that. Just make Sunday special again. I think that's great. And and so I think that's what we're going to work on this year. So
0: I like the emphasis that you put in the last couple of years and welcoming people back to the church. That really uh, strikes me as being a very important ministry uh, because that's a sometimes that's a difficult decision for people because especially if they've been away a long time. But once they take the it's like going to confession. I was taught in the seminary that the hardest thing about going to confession should be the decision to go. And once so once you've made that decision and you present yourself either in the confessional or by appointment with the priest, he should make it as easy as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, that, because that's what Jesus would do.
1: One of the things that um, kind of, it, it, it doesn't concern me, but it, maybe concern would be the better term than worry, but I'm worried too. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, as we, uh, I read an article in between Christmas and New Year's that um, those who were minimal attending Mm -hmm. before COVID were roughly 25%. Oh my gosh. So, you know, they'd come occasionally. Right, right. Well, that number now is up to 33%. And so one of the things I noticed about Christmas was that, you know, um, and I know we kind of, in, in priest realms, we kind of say C and Ears. Mm-hmm. You know, those who come at Christmas and Easter. And, and I believe this because uh, every year I've uh, made the comment that, you know, some people only come to Mass at Christmas and Easter. Well, what a great time to come than Christmas and Easter, too. Absolutely. And so you try to, to give them a celebration at that time. We'll, we'll want them to come back. It worries me that our you know our numbers still aren't where they were pre-COVID, mm-hmm. even among the C and Ears. Mm-hmm. And so we still have work to do, sure. and it's one of the things that Pope Francis has started. Um, he's going to have a catechesis known as "One Day Audiences" on um, uh, evangelization mm-hmm. and reaching out. And and one of the things that I, I this came about eight nine years ago. There was a, a new bishop that was appointed in Marquette, Michigan, and and, and they they showed his his hum, or his remarks after his install or his ordination installation. Mm-hmm. And he says, I know we're not supposed to do this, but I'm starting something new today. It's a three-point plan for the diocese. And here's what I want you to do. Number one, make friends with Jesus. Become a friend of Jesus. Number two, make a friend. And number three, introduce your new friend to Jesus. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's what we can do. And he said, you know, you don't have to jam it down their throats. And this is one of my favorite lines now, because cold butter doesn't spread. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you know so so you know I think it's that you know we keep talking you know all the popes back to Paul and John you have talked about the new evangelization and everything it's as simple as inviting and and one of the things and I'll go back to the gospel that we talked about earlier we hear that Simon and Andrew James and John said yes did anyone say no
0: because
1: mm-hmm. we're going to find out later on in the Gospels that people will say no to Jesus
2: mm-hmm
1: but and but unless we ask we'll never know that's right.
2: and the the getting familiar with jesus make a friend of jesus what's yep. what's the saying about that you can't give something away that you don't have in the first place right. amen so
0: and we know from our own experience with people uh who have accepted the invitation usually it's some person it's some personal interaction that they've had with another person. Mm-hmm that has led them to say yes. And uh, I think that's very, very important. We notice that in vocations, in vocations through the priesthood and religious life, it's because somebody has cared enough to ask about that. And the same thing is true in a more fundamental way, I think, about asking them to to come to the church.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and and I was away from the church for six or eight years, and that's what ultimately got me to come back was somebody asked me to. Mm -hmm. So um, it does work.
1: It does work. It does
2: so the, the octave of Christmas was filled with feasts for saints. St. Saint Stephen on the 26th, St. John on the 27th, uh, the Holy Innocents on the 28th, the Holy Family on the 30th, and then it ended with the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, on January 1st. So let's go back and talk about some of those saints a little bit. We'd have, we'd have probably touched on those during those episodes. So St. Stephen, uh, Stephen was the first martyr of the church and as i recall he was stoned to death and was it saul or saint paul that was there uh, cheering them on at the time Mm -hmm. Uh, are these saints all lined up right after christmas is that an accident or is that is there a
1: purposeful did the church put them here for a reason The church never does anything by accident. (laughs) And and I I think um, you know I think you have to remember first of all for Saint Stephen and and we've talked about this before because I saw it at Saint Wenceslas the first time when you were the pastor Mm -hmm. there. You know the manger underneath the crucifix and the old adage um, the wood of the crib is going to become the wood of the cross.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So you know it's one of those things too. I can go back to Father Dennis's homily. You know, why bring the gift of myrrh? Why not a casserole or diapers or something, mm-hmm. something useful, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, um, but you have to remember that, you know, this king was born to die. So we remember our first martyr, mm-hmm. you know, Stephen, you know, just to kind of keep us with the end in, view, with the end in sight. And then I think we have St. John on the 27th because of his theology of the word becoming flesh, the great prologue. You know, the word became flesh and the, you know, the word was God and da, da 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 da. You know, great that great theological hymn. Um, then the holy innocence to remember those who gave their lives, you know, for the for the Christ child. That's right. And then the Holy Family, which usually comes on the Sunday between um Christmas and New Year's. Well of course this year we don't have that Sunday, mm-hmm. so we uh celebrate it on the thirtieth of uh December. Mm-hmm. So it's jam-packed in there.
2: John was the beloved disciple, correct? Correct. And wasn't John the disciple that Jesus gave Mary to while he was on the cross before he died? Yes. Okay. So that makes him fairly special.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's also the only apostle that we have a feast day for that we wear white vestments. That's right. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. They tried uh, to—it's actually kind of an interesting story, I think— because they tried to martyr him by giving him poison. That didn't work. They tried to throw him in boiling oil. That didn't work. So they just exiled him off the Patmos.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And he was the last of the apostles to die, which is interesting, too, because he was closest to <laughs> Jesus. He was the, the, they called him the disciple. It was apostle, the same thing in, in their pardons. Their but the disciple whom Jesus loved. So from a standpoint of human affection and human friendship, he was, he was our Lord's best friend, among, you know, if you will. Uh, and yet he was the last one to go into the kingdom of the apostles. And they say, this is just legend, I don't know how true it is, but it's been carried on for 2,000 years. They say that in his later years, he was not able to walk. And he had to be carried into church whenever they'd have the liturgy. Hmm. And he would all, because of his preeminence, he'd always be asked to give the homily. He probably couldn't be the main celebrant, as we'd say today, but he always was asked to give the homily, and he gave the same talk. I take great comfort in that, you know, that he always gave the same talk whenever he asked. You know. <laughs> they don't say that he spoke at great length. I wish they would have said that too. But, that's <laughs> but he always said, "My little children, love one another." That was his homily. "My little children, love one another," which was essentially what Jesus was saying as well. So that's there's pretty, a lot of connection. good advice. A lot of connection with John and Jesus and Christmas.
2: Very good. Well, let's uh, New Year's Eve. uh, Let's talk about Pope Benedict's passing um, and his impact on the world. Actually, the the Catechism comes to us via Pope Benedict because John Paul II appointed Benedict to refresh the Catechism. Or. Because the catechism existed before that, correct?
1: Right. And so I just want to uh, I want to read something here. Um, this is the apost- apostolic letter, and I can't pronounce the Latin, so I'm sorry, L-A-E-T-A-M-U-R.
0: Okay. Le
1: And then M-A-G-N-O-P-E-R-E.
0: Majorium. No, I know. Magno
1: Parrot? Oh yeah. Okay. 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 In which the Latin typical edition of the Catechism of the Catholic Church is approved and promulgated, John Paul Bishop, servant of the servants of God for everlasting memory.
0: Okay. He's saying, let it be printed. In, right. In effect, let it, let it be printed.
1: So this is the introduction that John Paul wrote. This edition was prepared by an interdis- the interdicastrial commission, which I appointed for this purpose in 1993, presided over by Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger. Mm-hmm. This commission worked diligently to fu- fulfill the mandate it received. It devoted particular attention to a study of the many suggested changes to the contents of the, of the text, which in these years had come from around the world and from various parts of the ecclesial community. Wonderful. Yeah, so that's where, you know, I say where for everyone who's doing catechism in a year, mm-hmm. offer a prayer for Pope Benedict, mm-hmm. because without him, we don't have catechism in a year. That's right.
0: And he put it all together. I mean, you said there were other catechisms before that, and of course there were, and like Father Marty just indicated in what he read, you know, there were suggestions for the the new rendition of the catechism coming from bishops all over the world and from lay people all over the world. And so it was an unbelievably heraclian uh, task to put all that together, and Joseph Ratzinger was up to the task, as he was in everything he did. So,
2: yes, yeah. We talked before we started recording. We talked about Benedict's humility, and that he was actually the first pope to actually resign uh, the the papacy in mm-hmm. six hundred years. Mm-hmm. And at his funeral, Pope John, uh, Pope Francis, <laughs> I got I got off there. Uh, pope Francis was the first priest to preside at the funeral of a pope in six hundred and some years. Yes. So.
1: And I think, too, you know, that we, um, there, there's, there's two things that, I mean, there's lots of things that caught my attention about Pope Benedict, but um, I think, two was, the first one was his four last words, mm-hmm. Jesus, I love you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Isn't that beautiful? It is. You know, that, you know, you, you think that this guy who was dubbed the German Shepherd, <laughs> mean and everything, um, you know, was truly in love with the Lord. Yeah. And that's the goal for all of us, yeah. is to be in love with the Lord, sure. especially as priest. Absolutely. And then the second thing was reading his, for lack of a better term, last will and testament. Mm-hmm. You know, where he thanked his parents and and everything. It, it, to me, it was just very moving that, I don't know, it just gives me goosebumps. Sure. So that those four last words, yeah. Jesus, I love Lord. you.
0: And it's something that anybody can do. You don't have to be a scholar to... To to sum up your life the same way that he did with those beautiful words, you know that's mm-hmm. great. Now, Father Marty, I know you've met a number of popes. Did you did you meet <laughs> Did you meet Cardinal Ratzinger? I never did. Okay. I know you did. Yeah, I did. But you also but you met John Paul though, didn't you? I have not. I've only met Pope you met Francis. Francis. Okay, I thought you met John yeah, Paul too. No. I met. Uh, Pope, uh, Pope Benedict when he was Cardinal Ratzinger, Father Be- Father uh, Beckman, who's known to a lot of our, our listeners. And uh, I was a little bit nervous about meeting him. He was the cardinal. He was the head of the Congregation for the Faith. And uh, he was coming across this, the uh, square at St. Peter's, and Father Beckman and I were together. And Father Beckman said... Uh, Oh, there's Cardinal Ratzinger. Why don't we go up and talk to him? And I said, Oh, Gary, you don't want to go talk to Cardinal Don't you know his reputation? You know, and he's he's pretty strict and all this and, and pretty conservative. And he may not appreciate being interrupted on his way to some kind because he was carrying a satchel and, and he looked very businesslike. But Father Beckman implored me to go up and introduce him because he was a newly ordained <laughs> priest at that time. So under pressure, I did. And I met a man that was completely different than his reputation. He was so kind. He put his satchel down on the pavement and he spoke to me and then he spoke to Father Gary with, uh, with the most uh, most wonderful humility and simplicity and, and downright love, priestly love. I said, your eminence, I said, this young man with me was just our day to priest last week and, and we just like to have your blessing. And he just radiated. He just was so thrilled Mm -hmm. that we would honor him by by asking for his blessing. blessing. uh, So I just I was just so impressed with him. I really was. So, and when he died, of course, I I, all those memories came flooding back in my mind.
1: And one of the the interesting thing was to go on Twitter and read the number of people that were influenced by Pope Benedict. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that they came back to the church because of him and Mm -hmm. and everything and. you know, and one of the things, one of my uh, one of my greatest memories of Pope Benedict, I haven't mentioned this yet, but uh, cause you have to say some things, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's when he visited the United States in two thousand and eight, yeah. and when he made the visit to the to nine to eleven site, yeah. and just the okay. reverence and the silence, yeah. um, and the prayer there was just oh yeah, you know, just goosebump absolutely,
0: <laughs> absolutely.
2: And I was impressed with how Pope Benedict handled himself in the ten years after he resigned up until his death the you know it could have been that could have gone many ways uh, with the existing Pope, but he he and Pope Francis seemed to get on, get along very well and
1: i think they, I think they disagreed on some things mm-hmm. but you know there's things that you know I disagree with with other people too. Sure. But I think the love that's between Benedict and Francis is was evident, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you know one of the other things too is ten minutes after he died, you know of course you're going to call Francis after he dies, mm-hmm. and within minutes Francis was there, yeah. and I and I understand he spent quite a bit of time at the bedside of Pope Benedict, mm-hmm. so
2: mm. very good. Um, well, Christmas ends with the Epiphany of Our Lord.
0: And, 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 and. Uh, that's uh, not me, folks. It's not a fire
1: alarm. Because... That's, the, uh, that's the heresy buzzer. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> the heresy buzzer. Well, if anybody's going to commit heresy at this table, it will be me. It actually, it actually, you can say it ends with two things, I think.
2: Okay.
1: Officially, the Christmas season ends with the baptism of the Lord. Okay. Okay. I learned something tonight. I yeah. didn't know that. So um, in the baptism of the Lord, it's usually the Sunday after Epiphany. Unless epiphany falls on January seventh or eighth, then it comes the next. It comes the following Monday. Okay. Okay. And it all has to do with counting and numbers and numbers of Sundays and and things like that. Now, in some communities, it will end um, on the presentation of the Lord right. on Good February second, candle Day. Yeah.
0: So,
2: but I was I was struck by the juxtaposition between. The infant Jesus and the baptism of the Lord because Jesus was in his 30s when he was baptized, right? Mm -hmm. So I thought that was an interesting contrast.
1: Where it really gets interesting is in the uh, um, year C. Mm -hmm. Because you got Christmas, Jesus and infant. Then the Feast of the Holy Family, that Sunday, you get the uh, 12-year-old Jesus. And then a couple days later, after the Feast of the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, he's back to being eight days old and and being circumcised Circumcised and everything. And then he's in the presentation, he's 40 days old, and you're like, holy cow, I can't keep up with this. (laughs) How old is this guy? You have have (laughs) Jesus whiplash. I know.
0: (laughs) That's a good example of how different we are in calculating time than the early Jews. You know, they, they were not that... It wasn't chronological for them. It wasn't that big thing. It was... It was more centered on the episode itself,
2: the the story itself, the story rather itself. than the okay. That's right. Interesting. Well, let's um, let's we're getting up to we're getting up to the end of the show here. Uh, we're as Jack Bauer would say, we're running out of time. Mm. Um, let's look forward a little bit here. Uh, we're in the uh the first block of ordinary time after Christmas now, and that will end uh with Lent on February twenty second. And then Palm Sunday is April 2nd this year, and Easter Sunday is April 9th, and Divine Mercy Sunday is April 16th. Mm-hmm. For those of you uh, keeping score out there, those are your dates for uh, Lent and Easter.
1: But I want to back up just a little bit, because this Sunday that we're talking about, the third Sunday of Ordinary Time, is Word of God Sunday, okay. and it's, it's something relatively new, um, and it was something I, I was kind of hoping we could get into. I know we don't have a lot of time. But Word of God Sunday was instituted by Pope Francis in, I think, 2019, where it was going to be a day of, of reflection and study and celebration of the Word of God. And what I find interesting is that we do one day for the uh, Word of God, and it's like, okay, we put the Bible back on the shelf. Hmm. But, uh, but I love what the Ordo says this time. Uh, Pope Francis declared that the third Sunday in ordinary time is to be devoted to the celebration, study, and dissemination of the Word of God. The Sunday, the word of God will thus be a fitting part of that time of year when we are encouraged to strengthen the bonds with the Jewish people and to pray for Christian unity. Um, a day devoted to the Bible should not be seen as a yearly event, but rather a year-long event, for we need to grow in our knowledge and love of the scriptures and of the risen Lord. I just think that's very, hmm. very powerful. I want to give a shout out to our lectors um, who proclaim the word of God. Thank you, Tony. Um, because, you know, you are the mouthpiece of God. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because when you speak, you know, you say the word of the Lord, you're speaking God's word. And how, how much, I hope you see it not as a job, but as a privilege. Oh, absolutely. So just to throw a, a kudos out to the lector. But, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk a little bit about was how much scripture did you get back in seminary? Was it still kind of a taboo subject because that it, was a... It was starting thing? to change.
0: It was starting to change yeah. because I was going through right at the same time as the Vatican Council. And the, the uh, treatise on, on scriptures had just come out. So they were starting to see how very important it was that we would be immersed, immersed in the Word of God in everything we do. So very mm-hmm. important.
1: Because I tried to take all the Scripture classes that I could. Mm-hmm. Because I remember our three basics were the Pentateuch. Mm -hmm. Um, The Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels. We really didn't get into John a whole lot. And then um, Paul, Pauline literature. Mm -hmm. But I tried to take as much scripture as I could just because um, that would help the preaching. Sure, absolutely. Because people are hungry, I think, for the word of God. Oh, absolutely. And and I'm gonna end this um, tonight with, I've said this in in a homily I've given here, but I heard it for the first time in a homily on February 14, 1990, when I was installed as a lector of the church, a reader of the church, um, by Bishop John Valonzi of Winona, Minnesota, he held up a lectionary, which I still have, because it's signed by Cardinal mm-hmm. Um, but he, he said, gentlemen, remember two things. One, pray them faithfully every day, because they will be a source of knowledge and strength for you. And two, proclaim them well, because people need to hear the good news proclaimed in a world that only gets bad news. Mm-hmm. Very, good. Very and good. I remember that homily, what is that now? 90, 32 years, 32 years. later. <laughs> um, and that is you know, what we're ordained for, That's is right. to preach and teach the word of God. Yeah. So please pray for your priests, your deacons, those who proclaim the word, those who teach the word, our catechists, our Catholic school teachers, that we do, can I say, a better job of teaching the Word? I think
2: so. I think yeah. so, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Two more questions to wrap it up here, Father Marty. Okay. Um, what's the uh, biggest challenge you see, and Father Mike, too, you can, you can uh, chime in on this. What's the biggest challenge you see in 2023?
1: I think for me, it's um, going to be continuing to, how do we best proclaim the gospel and follow the mandate of Jesus Christ in the year 2023. We're given that mandate to go baptize disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. How do we best do that? How do we best make disciples? I think that'll be our biggest challenge.
0: I'd go along with that 100%. Uh, Also in terms of the church, I think letting people see that the church is, you know, traditionally it's referred to as our, she is referred to as our mother in the faith our Holy Mother, the Church, letting people see that the Church is our friend as well and that uh, it's our home as well and that uh, we shouldn't be afraid of being associated with the Church. And we shouldn't be afraid of being active in the Church according to the vocation that God has given us. And so I think that's, a, that's always a challenge, but it was uh, every new year it's especially so.
2: Okay. And then what are one or two things that fill you with hope for 2023?
1: I would say for me... It's the people of God that are, that are here. Yeah. You know, one of the things that has shown up on Facebook in the last week is beautiful pictures of the inside of St. John's Church. Mm-hmm. I see pictures all the time of the outside of our churches. And I wish I had a dime for every time someone has said, you've, you, you've got beautiful churches. Mm-hmm. And I say, thank you. And the buildings are nice too. Mm-hmm. Um, my hope is that as a parish family of faith, that we continue to grow in our relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that at the end of the year, we can say, Jesus, I loved you better in 2023 than I did in 2022. Amen.
0: I couldn't say it better. It just shows you how much Father yeah, Father, uh, gets and I are alike in so many things. I think my big hope for the next year is that the people, uh, I just came from a little missionary assignment this weekend down in St. Paul in West Point and West and. Farmington and the people there could not have been not only nicer to be, not only more helpful to me, but more of an inspiration to me uh, in, in their, their love for the church and their love for their faith and their love for God. So if all that is true, I think we've got a lot to look forward to in the new year.
2: Amen. Amen. All right.
1: Well, Father Marty, can you, uh, can you take us out with a blessing here? You betcha. We'll just ask um, through the airwaves that Almighty God may watch over you and bless you tonight and always. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
2: Thank you, Father Marty. You're very welcome. All right. With that, we bring our potpourri to its conclusion. To paraphrase Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, a potpourri by any other name would smell as sweet. (laughs) I hope the show eased you back into the pastor's perspective habit and you'll join us again next week. Speaking of next week, we have a lot of very good topics in the bullpen for discussion on future shows. Some of those topics include the martyrs. Uh, We are planning a three-part series on confession, and we hope to talk about Mary's fiat and what would have happened if Mary had said no. Pastor's perspective for next week, the fourth Sunday of Ordinary Time, will continue with chapter five in Matthew's gospel, and we will be talking about the organization of the diocese, deanery, parish, and how it all works. Until next week, remember God loves you and has a plan for your life. But sin separates us from God's plan for us. We invite you to attend Mass to receive the sanctifying graces to increase your faith. Consider this a personal invitation from us to come home to the Catholic Church. If you are attending Mass, invite someone to join you. Father Marty, thank you for this evening. Oh, you're very welcome. Good to be back. Father Mike, thank it's you good for to be here. For, uh, thank you. Uh, getting in the old white jalopy and heading over this way. Absolutely. Uh, It's sad to see the empty chair in the corner with a ping pong paddle on the seat where Father (laughs) Dennis once sat. (laughs) We miss you, Father Dennis. Yep, he will be missed. I'd also like to thank the listeners for tuning in. Please join us again next week on the radio. Listen on the website or go to TuneIn.com for the podcast. Until then, 2023 promises to be a blessed year. Our hope for you is an increase in your faith, hope, and charity. Share Christ with everyone you meet. Be humble. Until next week, good evening, everyone. You can hear Pastor's Perspective every evening at 9 o'clock after the Rosary on KCDM. You can also pick up the show at 5 p.m. on Saturdays and 2 p.m. on Sundays. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show.